talk to you today about the four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss. We recently went on holiday, me and Laura, and um, the mindset I was in at the time, I wanted to try and get away from social media, get away from my phone. I was spending far too long on my phone. Um, and I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed with Bear in mind, I've got like three sources of income, the jiu-jitsu gym, incremental gains, and my part-time job at Lee Community Trust. And I seem to be like busy, but not being effective or efficient. And they were two phrases that I definitely got from this book. For our work week, Tim Ferriss. So my plan was to sit on the beach, sit by the pool, and really digest this book really dive into some of the stuff. I've read it before. I read it when it first came out. I think it was around 2007, I want to say. Um, and I read it before 2007, yeah. But I'll be honest, I can't really remember much about it. I know there was a lot of stuff in there about automating. And at the time, I was fully employed by the Ministry of Defence Police. So the idea about reducing my work week or working independent or making things automated, it went over my head a little bit. So I'm going to review some of the passages or some of the things that I took from the book. Many of you watching this may be self-employed. Some of you may be in employment. But there's definitely some of the stuff you can take away from it regardless of which, which um, format of employment you find yourself in. So the four-hour work week implies by the title that you reduce your work week to four hours. And that's not the case. Obviously, if you're in full-time employment, that's impossible to do. And if you're self-employed, to try and run a business on four hours a week, unless you've got a lot of assets that are bringing in money, which the book talks about, it's going to be difficult for you to reduce your working hours by four hours a week. And you don't take it so literally. I mean... The four-hour work week isn't a literal, you're going to reduce your work to four hours a week. It's taking a step back, seeing what works, getting rid of the non-essential. We spoke about this on another podcast with um, Cameron his name now. Greg McKeown's brother. And he spoke about getting rid of what's non-essential. And this is this is kind of similar to the book, although there are a lot more um a lot more examples of what you can do and how you can start to implement this in your in your life. So let's dive into what I took away from this book. So immediately. The quote by Mark Twain, it's one of my favourite quotes of all time. And it's, I am an old man and have known a great many troubles, 
but most of them never happened. He starts off the book by fear setting. I mean, one of my aims is to use jujitsu and incremental gains to provide a full-time income. And that means leaving my part-time job eventually. However, a lot of fear sets in and a lot of attitude and my belief system about not having the money to pay the mortgage, regular income. So the first part of the book is about fear setting and what is the worst thing that can happen. And this quote is quite relevant to that where a lot of the things, a lot of the worst case scenarios happen inside our head. And in reality, they're never as bad as what they seem to be inside our own head, inside our perceptions. So I really enjoyed reading about the, the fear setting aspect. And if you can handle the worst case scenario, and I boil it down to that if you're going to leave your job to start up the business that you've always wanted to do, what is the worst case scenario? And that is potentially that you wouldn't be able to pay the mortgage and provide for your family. So maybe the answer to that is you just go and find another job. That's easier said than done. But there are jobs out there. There are always jobs. I think you'll always find a way to provide for the things that you value the most. So again, he opens about fear setting. And this was a nice little passage. And this comes down to motivation and building leverage and stepping out of our comfort zone. What we fear doing most is usually what we most need to do. As I have heard said, a person's success in life can usually be measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. And he asks you to, to try and put yourself in an uncomfortable position every day. One of the uh, exercises he asks you to do is to stir someone in the eye, make eye contact for at least 20 seconds with someone or until they divert their eye contact. I've not actually tried it yet, but I tried it once or twice on holiday and it just seemed a little bit too weird. However, what he is saying about the obstacle is the way, again, it comes down to stoicism. And generally speaking, the obstacle is the way. What we fear doing is usually what we need to do the most. So we start the book, the first, so it's split into quarters, four quarters. And the first quarter is about defining what it is you actually want to do. What it is that you want to do. Whether that's a career, whether that's a business, what is your motivation? What is your leverage? And when people say they want to be happy, that's not a good enough definition and Tim Ferriss puts here that the the word is more excitement. You want to be excited by what you're doing. Excitement is more the practical synonym for happiness. And it is precisely what you should strive to chase rather than happiness. Being excited. And he, he finishes the, the chapter of defining off. By talking about, remember, the key takeaway is there is a direct correlation between an increased sphere of comfort and getting what you want. You're going to have to step outside your comfort zone at some point. You're going to have to put yourself in the position that you may lose 
And again, changing mindsets around that. What is a loss? What is your definition of a win? What are you actually trying to achieve? When it comes down to the four-hour work week and reducing the stuff that's ineffective, the stuff that you may seem like you're busy, but you're not very productive, and you spend like, I, I was spending all day, like I'd start off doing emails, and then I'd think about something else I wasn't doing, or then I'd tweak the website a little bit, and then I'd go on Facebook and do your social media post, and then I'd reply to an email of someone who wanted a free trial on the classes. Um, and then I'd plan to go to the gym, and then I'd come out of the gym, check the emails again, or reply to somebody else, or I've not put that document there, and that, and then plan the classes for the evening. I was doing a lot of things, but I wasn't being efficient or effective. And there's a nice segue in the book about the Pareto law, um, which is the 80-20 principle. Some of you may be aware of it already, and some of you may never have heard of it, but an economist basically carried out a study and a survey, and it was that 80% of the world's wealth and money was generated by 20% of the people. And that same ratio was found in a lot of other aspects in life. And it comes down to productivity as well. So what are you spending your day doing? So 80% of your problems will come from 20% of the source. Or 80% of your income will come from 20% of your inputs, of your challenges, of your job. You could even put it down to a fitness term. 80% of your results or 80% of your workouts are done with 20% of the exercises. So for example, we go in and you squat, you hinge, you push, pull and you carry. You might change it up every now and again, but 80% of my workouts are going to be done with that 20% of movements. Same with your wardrobe. 80% of the clothes you wear are going to be made up of 20% of the items. Yeah. So then I, I found a little insight that I thought was really interesting for me anyway. That what are the social media platforms that I use the most? And for me, I use Instagram and I use Facebook. And I go on Twitter every now and again. And 80% of my leads that I get for incremental gains and for Facebook um, for Roger Gracie Lee are predominantly through Facebook maybe some through Instagram I never use Twitter or LinkedIn so I've decided to get rid of those platforms I don't use those platforms anymore because they were taking up time for very little return that was that was a big insight that I got so again we talk about this Pareto law And an interesting Parkinson's law as well he talks about. So the 80-20 principle and Parkinson's law are the two cornerstone concepts.
So this this was a nice um, the, the the insight that I was talking about. Was slow down and remember this. Most things make no difference. Being busy is a form of laziness, lazy thinking and indiscriminate action. Being overwhelmed is often as unproductive as doing nothing. So when we talk about productiveness, and I've mentioned it before, it's about being efficient, but am I efficient at doing the wrong tasks? Learning how to be effective and efficient. And this was a nice little um, little takeaway. Am I being productive or just active? Am I inventing things to do to avoid the important the important tasks, the important phone calls? And you want your business to work for you rather than you to work for your business. And I know that's getting into like the the people who are self-employed, but like I said, there was there was takeaways later on in the book that that really really hit home, even if you're in um, employment. One of the things that is a bottleneck in my lifestyle, in my business, and in my work life is definitely email. It's how I have chose to market myself. It's what I've chose to how to contact my members and the people who are on the, the subscriber list. But the problem with me is the bottleneck of email. Everything comes down to me to email. So another insight that I got from the um, the book, again, asking yourself, what 20% of sources are causing 80% of your problems? Getting back on email. So starting the last few weeks since we come back from holiday, whenever you're listening to this now, I've started to implement. And it's actually off Tim Ferriss' recommendation from the book, put a signature on the bottom of the emails telling people that I'll only, be, I'll only respond and reply in 24 hours, I only answer emails once a day. And that's in the morning, I do all the things I said I was gonna do on my to-do list. And then once they are done and completed, then I will answer emails and I'll reply. And then I only look at emails the day after. And the signature actually apologizes. Anybody looking for a quick response? Um, understand that I only look at emails once a day. And so far, so good. I'm not answering emails when they come in. I'm batching everything together, which is another another hack that he puts in this book about what can you do in one sitting rather than multiple sitting throughout the day. So this is all about eliminating. So this the second quarter in the book is about elimination. What can you eliminate from your life using that 80-20 Pareto law? And he talks about a low information diet. What information consumes is rather obvious. It consumes the attention of its recipients. Hence, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. 
and the need to allocate that attention efficiently among the overabundance of information sources that might consume it. That is quite a quote, isn't it? And that starts off the chapter. A low information diet definitely is something that I'm appreciating at the moment. And on holiday, like I said, I went phone free for five out of seven days on holiday. And it was remarkable. Those who read the recent email, I talked about my experience on it. And it was amazing how much more time I felt I had, how much less overwhelmed I was. And I was able to enjoy, sit and read the book, be a bit more present. <clears throat> Appreciate what I was looking at, the beach, the sea. Information, low information diet. You think about when you wake up in the morning and you reach for your phone. You've checked in with the world before you even checked in with yourself. When you've got a lot of information coming at you, it's hard to clarify what your attention is on. Going back to that quote at the beginning, it consumes the attention of its recipients. We go back to journaling. For the last 90 days doing Paul Mort's transformation program, I've, I'm not perfect, so some days I've missed it. But even on holiday, I carried it out 80% of the time. You put your attention on your intentions if you don't have a schedule the day will schedule you if you don't have a plan in place the day will go away from you and that low information diet can directly live side by side with that that if you're constantly consuming information even down to books i was talking to a friend of mine gary fletcher and we spoke about i mean i'm an avid reader an avid reader and a consumer of podcasts and information now sometimes I've, I've prided myself on that in the past thinking like yeah I listen to three Joe Rogans this week three hours long and I listen to X book I listen to Y book this week uh, fucking brilliant yeah however however what information from them books did I actually apply in my life and again it's probably 20%. 80% of, of the books that I've read, I've only probably applied 20% of the information or the podcasts that I've listened to. So there's another point about reread great books, coming back to what Dan John said in our podcast, that information is just regurgitated to appeal to a new kind of audience. So revisit good books instead of buying and constantly consuming new books and new information reread old books and try and apply the lessons that you've learned in them that was definitely a valuable thing for me that uh, most information is time consuming negative irrelevant to your goals and outside of your influence i challenge you to look at whatever you read or watch today and tell me that it wasn't at least two of the four so I'm going to listen to uh, Matthew McConaughey. He's recently been doing the rounds on all the podcasts. He's been on Gary V. He was on Rogan. Um, he was on Tim Ferriss' podcast. And I listened to that on the plane, funnily enough, coming home from order. But recently he's been on Rich Roll. So I'm going to watch the Rich Roll episode this afternoon. And part of me is thinking that the information that I'm going to be consuming 
will be negative, it won't be negative, it'll be all positive, irrelevant to your goals and outside of my influence and time consuming. And I reckon it probably will tick through them boxes. It'll be time consuming and it might be irrelevant to my goals because I've already listened to him twice already on two different platforms. What new information am I going to receive? And I think that's an interesting way of looking at things that most information is time consuming, negative, irrelevant to your goals and outside your influence. Next time you scroll in Facebook or Instagram or just consuming information, reading a book or podcast, ask yourself if it ticks more than two of those boxes. And again, I'm not talking about rewarding yourself or watching a film on a Saturday night with your wife or your kids, relaxing, rest and recuperation and having fun. Because we need that escapism, we need that self-care, but understand that constantly consuming information daily is not making you effective and efficient. So let's go a little bit more practical. Um, we're looking at the A now on his uh, acronym. Deal. Define. Eliminate. Automate. So we're looking at automate. And the, the biggest takeaway for me was auto response on emails. So again, batching everything. So I do the emails in the morning and I have the signature in the email to say, when are you going to reply 24 hours later? Another real good tactic was about the information that you put in the emails. You, you very rarely want someone to be able to ask a follow-up question in the email because that means you've got to start an email conversation then. And if there's back and forth, especially over 24-hour periods, it's going to be quite quite consuming. So you, when you write your email, you've got to think of what is the action you want the individual to do. Now, the action you want the individual to do, if they can't do it, there's got to be an or then. So if then actions that he calls it in the book. Let's set up a meeting. Okay, can you do 2 p.m. Tuesday? If not, let's schedule in Thursday or Friday. Tell me which one suits you and we'll pencil it in. So always, always assume there'll be a follow-up question. What information do you need to put across to eliminate that back and forth? The insight for me on that point from a personal basis, again, looking at that I'm the bottleneck in that information funnel. Everything comes down to me answering the email to get people booked in for classes. So this is where Calendly, I use Calendly to book people onto the sessions. And what normally happens is people will send me an email to say, I want to schedule a free trial. And I'll say, okay, here's the sessions we've got. They send me, I can do Monday the 3rd. I send them back, Monday the 3rd's great. Let's get you booked in. What questions have you got? This question, that question, boom. So now on the website, I've created a frequently asked questions. So if any time there's questions, I refer them to the link in the website. That's one thing that I've added to the email. The next thing is actually adding the Calendly link to the auto response email. As soon as someone subscribes, they get the auto response email that says 
you've subscribed. Let's get you booked in for your free trial. Free trials are on these particular days, Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday. Click the link, get yourself booked in. Once they've booked in, that triggers another auto-response email that sends them all the information they would need to know. Also, referring them to the FAQs on the website. So there should be very little traffic coming my way for me to answer questions. So that was one way that I started to implement this kind of automated response. So there's very little. I can be more effective talking about efficiency and effectiveness. This was interesting when Tim Ferriss was looking at making making money from your business. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what kind of, yeah, we want to be excited by our goals, but we're trying to make money to provide for our family and our loved ones. And it's all right making loads of profit if you've not really got the time to do anything with it. If you're working an 80-hour week, 14-hour days, you're not having much time to actually spend the, the hard-earned money on. Whereas if you're working less and not producing as much money, but yet you've got the time to actually do the things that you want to do. And that doesn't mean accumulating lots of material possessions. It might mean that you want to go on more ocean walks with the dog, go to the seaside more with your dog, take your wife out for meals or have more experiences with your kids. That's the four-hour work week ethos. To do more of what you want to do. And this was a nice um, thing that I, um, passage that I underlined, that profit is only profitable to the extent that you can use it. For that, you need time. So you need time. And that comes back around to eliminating these things that um, automating the email, eliminating the the 80% of things that cause 20% of your problems. Really fascinating. And then we we fast forward to the automation. And it was talking about um, lead generators. And I know that might be irrelevant to some people who are listening to you, but um, generating leads so you can get expressions of interest to your website or to your landing page. And it was talking about guarantees that some you're, you're more inclined to get people to click on something if there's a guarantee for them. And you, you've all seen it before. There'll be guarantees like guaranteed fat loss or your money back. Um, buy one, get one free. Um, guarantees, 30-day money-back guarantee. And a nice, interesting take on that was the lose-win guarantee. So if you lose, you still win. So it was looking at Domino's Pizza. If it's not delivered in 30 minutes, you get the pizza free anyway. So I was trying to think of ways that what guarantee could have put on some of the programs that incremental gains are putting on or the Jiu-Jitsu free trial. What's the guarantee? That if someone actually doesn't enjoy it or loses, 
that they eventually win so there's something in place for them to still win even though they feel like maybe it's not for them it's interesting it's something I'm thinking about one aspect that I found quite interesting when we're coming towards the, the, the end of the book was and it's something I've heard quite a bit recently Paul Mort's talked about it um, I can't remember his name but the, the guy who in Anti-Fragile and Black Swan he's recently brought out a book called Skin in the Game and the more it, it's kind of down the mindset of the more more money basically the more skin you've got in the game whether that's attention whether that's money whether that's time the more skin you've got in the game it's going to magnify the, the return and the last aspect of the book is L for liberation so it goes through the steps of defining, eliminate, automate, and then liberation. So having everything in place so then you can let go of the business and it earns money and makes money in the background while you can go and do um, your dream, your dream life or your dream activities. Again, it doesn't. the book is aimed at predominantly self-employed people. But he does talk about people who are unemployed, how you can maybe negotiate with your employer to let you work from home two, three days a week. So though you, you're actually like liberated from being in that nine to five groundhog day cubicle working. Interesting idea. And especially with COVID and that nowadays, a lot more people are having the flexibility that they can work from home. And businesses are understanding that potentially there could be a cost cutting exercise that more people can work from home rather than take up office space. And the, the insight that I got in this last aspect of the book was about the limits that we put on ourselves. The heaviness of success chasing can be replaced with a serendipitous lightness when you recognise that the only rules and limits are those we set for ourselves. The heaviness of success chasing can be replaced with the serendipitous lightness when you recognise that the only rules and limits are those we set for ourselves. I did an Instagram post maybe months and months ago now and it was... I quoted Steve Jobs and Tim Ferriss quotes the same quote here as well. For the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. And that was a Steve Jobs quote. The only limits we have are with the ones we put on ourselves. You can achieve anything. And to paraphrase Steve Jobs as well, anything what has ever been invented or made 
was made by someone who was no better than you. And to finish off, and this is the way I'm going to finish this podcast because I've not got much battery left. But that was just a little review of my insights on the four-hour work week. Um, it came back to me after a few, again, going back to information overload. I'd listened to a few podcasts and it. A few people who I look up to had read it and I thought I'm going to revisit that book because I'm in a place in my life now where I feel like I'll get some use out of it and some insight. Um, being part-time employed, having a few self-employed kind of ventures and I'll I'll leave you this poem if I've got enough time. This is the last chapter in the book. It's called Slow Dance. Have you ever watched kids on a merry-go-round or listened to the rain slapping on the ground? Ever followed a butterfly's erratic flight or gazed at the sun into the fading night? You better slow down, don't dance so fast. Time is short, the music won't last. Do you run through each day on the fly? When you ask, how are you, do you hear the reply? When the day is done, do you lie in your bed with the next hundred shawls running through your head? You'd better slow down, don't dance so fast. Time is short, the music won't last. Ever told your child, we'll do it tomorrow? And in your haste, not see his sorrow? Ever lost touch, let a good friendship die? Because you never had time to call and say hi. You'd better slow down, don't dance so fast. Time is short, the music won't last. When you run so fast to get somewhere, you miss half the fun of getting there. When you worry and horror through your day, it is like an unopened gift thrown away. Life is not a race. Do take it slower. Hear the music before the song is over. <laughs>